podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. I am joined by Becky Foster. Hello, everybody. I'm Matt Foster. Hello, everybody. Hello, one and all. Coming up on this week's show, we have reviews of Terry Gilliam's, like, how the fuck has he actually managed to do it? Good for him, the man who killed Don Quixote. We also have... Uh, the first part of Becky's choice um, as we take a look at Martin Scorsese's other Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, gangstery epic Casino and the 99p iTunes rental of the week. The um, rather cheekily graphic design <laughs> to like, oh, yes. make it look like it's 1917, uh, The Trench. Um those are all the main reviews this week, aren't they? They are indeed. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, my fault. I did not. I, I, I did not manage to squeeze in Amelie. I was too busy playing The Last of Us, apparently. <laughs> so, sorry. Understandable. Yeah. I like. Yeah. It's. Um. You know. It. It get. I. I sometimes wonder whether we just bite off more than we can chew. And it's like in at the time. It's like. Yeah, man. I can fucking watch five films for for review. No bother. And then it's just like. Oof. Oof, yeah oof is 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 the expression so um we will have the second part of becky's choice next week with uh amelie um but we've got news we do have trailers again how exciting um we've got i'm sure we've got some what we watched and we'll uh we've got ask a bastard towards the end as well um the new formal name for the uh, twitter questions section which i i, I do like it's good work mark thank you yes um Patrons this week have had the first episode uh, episode episode of Maximum Damage, uh, Mark's new show, having a look at the uh, mighty fine work of Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, Mark, what did you discuss on this first episode? On the first episode, we discussed the movie Lionheart, also known as Absent Without Leave, also known as um, about 15 different names, wrong bet, Leon, various other names, all for one film. Uh, Is that the royal we that discusses that now? uh, Yeah. Um, I I, I basically explained the reasons for why it has so many names uh, within that. Uh, I also 
Uh, did you just do a tune in to find out? I did do a tune in to find out. We tried to tune in to find out. Um, but yeah, and then, so that's the first episode of Maximum Damage. Uh, the next episode uh, will be available um, possibly around when this comes out, uh, or maybe just after, uh, and we'll be covering Bloodsport on that one. Again, I say we. I mean me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you did have the dog with you when you were doing it. Did you, did I did, yeah. Did you yeah. throw it over to the dog at I point? did not throw it over the dog at any point, no. So far, some... the dog's only review he's done on the podcast has been Peach Dragon. Oh. He didn't say much. Did he not? I look baffled at Did me. you not have any fresh insight? No. Ooh, sorry, guys. I think that was the dog texting you to say, yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> um... That's given me a thought that I should maybe have Kiki with me when I um, record the cat's commentary. Yeah, she might love it. Mm. Mm. Uh, Catsmas is coming. Uh, comes out on iTunes in the UK on Friday. Uh, I've got the week off work next week, so I will be working on some extra content, whether you like it or not. Uh, <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash film bastards, $2 a month. Um, patrons have also had about 15 minutes of uh, largely Becky and I talking uh, video games, um, so there's there's that as well. Um, we did we did speak for longer than that, but there was a lot of stuff that we could not put out publicly. So uh, yeah, um, weirdpodsyndicate.com um, for all your latest uh, podcasts from our stable mates, such as Beyond the Neon, his film Her Movie. Chinchrega versus Punter, What's on Tap, um, Entertainment Landfill, um, and I think that's probably the pre-roll done. So, more movie news. Um, well, Millennium Studios, the uh, makers of the Expendables and Has Fallen franchise, ha- are reopening their Bulgarian studios. So. Um, you know, we might I not get they have studios in Bulgaria. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It is completely on brand. So, you know, for the next little while, we're going to get films coming out of New Zealand and Bulgaria. Um, still no real word on when I know um, there was a, a thing today saying that TV production is looking to resume in June, but there's not really been anything about um, UK based film productions um, starting up just yet. Um, yeah, it's all very, um, quiet on um like that 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 kind of stuff and you know the great is tenet going to come out in july thing well warner brothers have still not said anything and we are now less than well or just about less than two months away from tenet actually due to come out um who knows um but yeah cinemas are start kind of kind of starting to open up worldwide um drive-in cinemas in the u.s are, are, are doing good business fair play to them it's it's rip that's very cool yeah um and I, it, it just like things are getting like announced for production but then it's like but when the fuck are we actually expecting to do these so like um there's a mafusala film coming starring michael b jordan which is going to be directed by uh, danny boyle um fair enough that that does feel like word bingo doesn't it that feels a little bit like it's not true but it might just be true <laughs> yeah god Danny Boyle's an eclectic one isn't he um, so yeah um, that's coming 
Um, it, it, yeah, so this is the thing. It's like deals seem to be getting made and whatnot, but then it's no like what when the fuck's this stuff actually going to happen? Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just how the fuck a film's going to film with so, social distancing? Like you're just going to get you're not going to get a lot of like what like two characters in the same frame. It'll <laughs> all be done by a CG. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's the thing. I mean, like you're probably going to have to have CG crowds. Um, it is just going to be like shot of one person talking, shot of another person talking, shot of the other person talking again. You know, it's um. I would think what they'll actually probably do is they'll probably have them, you know, live together. Mm-hmm. I don't live together. Two, two, you can even do two meters apart, film the scene, and then literally cut out the two meters. <laughs> we can do it using um perspectives and stuff to make people look closer can you yeah absolutely they'll be find out ways no they'll just i i i want to live in a world where they do it as like camp so they all have to live well, together a lot of them are anyway yeah yeah but they're not allowed to live in hotels or anything like that they all have to live together there's a canteen the tuck shop well uh that would be fun if if, if charlie's the was still going to be in the there's been a lot of talk about um mad max yeah. Fury Road this past week. An awful lot. Yeah, why? I've talked about it. Um, I'm not quite sure. I think it's five years since it came out. Are they supposed to be doing that Furiosa movie? Uh, but yeah, but they're also doing the Furiosa movie, but now it's confirmed that Charlize Theron will not be returning. All right. Um, Tom Hardy will still be returning. And it would appear like uh, there's been an awful lot of sort of chat about the fact that them two didn't get on uh, and Charlize Theron has all but admitted that she was kind of a dick. <laughs> I mean, that's on brand. Yeah. So, so there's a Furiosa prequel and also like another Mad Max. Is that yeah. is that what's happening? Right. Okay. Yeah. So the, the, they'll be filmed back to back. Apparently. She's in neither. And she's gonna be in neither. No. Right. So yeah. I know they've t- they've talked about Anya Taylor Joy playing the young her in Furiosa. So it's between it, her and Jodie Comer at the moment, apparently. <laughs> yeah okay two women who basically look exactly the same yeah all right for that's that's real interesting because you think like if it was two years ago Anya Taylor Joy would be getting that any day of the week but now it's a little bit Jodie yeah. Comer you know yeah. up and comer um get one of them to be Furiosa and Furiosa and the other to be um Furiosa <laughs> and the other Mad Max and call it a day job done yeah wouldn't surprise if they end up doing something like that it's just, it, it, I, I find it, the whole thing interesting in the fact that you know it's a movie that's still well liked etc and you know still I think it's it's a movie that still gets a lot an awful lot of praise but it's not a movie that's particularly been you know no one's been asking for where's the new Mad Max for, for, for ages and all of a sudden this past sort of like week or two there's just been a lot of chat about it which did seem to start from Charlie Theron essentially saying look, yeah, me and Tom didn't get on very well. There's a lot of friction there. And I think a lot of it might have been my fault. <laughs> I mean, like with the best one in the world, you wonder if it's also a sense of George Miller thinking, well, shit, I probably need to get on with this if I actually want to make this. Um, even though then again, R- Ridley Scott's fucking or like doing all sorts of shit and he's old as fuck. Um, if I'm sorry, that was a bit mean. Um, he's old as fuck though he is though isn't he that's the thing yeah um, god I, I mean like shit man I wish I I hope I live to li- live that long Jesus Christ 
Well, may, maybe not with the way the, the world's going. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. Again, it's just like no films are shooting, and yet we're talking about probably one of the, like two of the most complex fucking films you'll ever have having to shoot. And it's just like, let's take one step at a time. Let's get <laughs> these fucking Bulgarian studios going and see how that goes first. You I'm know, going, um, I'm going, I'm going. Hmm. We could film Mad Max in New Zealand. <laughs> well, yeah, well, no, I mean, that's it. I, mean, I But I don't know. Let's just see how Space Has Fallen does with filming. And then, you know, we'll we'll take it from there. If Space Has Fallen can um, uh, can film successfully, then fair play. Yep. I'm very much looking forward to that. I don't even know if Space Has Fallen is a real thing or whether you're just making up funny names now. There's going to be, is it two or is it three more has fallen films? Uh, yeah, I think it's another three, isn't it? Yeah. So, so we've had Angel has fallen. Yep. London has fallen. Yeah. Olympus has fallen. Fallen. So what could we have now? It's going to be Space has fallen. I mean, I think it was... I have fallen. <laughs> Who plays his dad in the end of the last one? Um, world has fallen. What, Nick Nolte? Yeah, Nick yeah. Nolte has fallen. <laughs> Nick Nolte has fallen. That's just a making of. Yeah. <laughs> My dad has fallen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. But, yeah, I, so, I, I don't know. I mean, like, it all seems a bit more hopeful than it did, like, a week ago. But, you know, the, the, the fucking moment these fucking cases start rising again, it will be back to square one, won't it? So, um... <laughs> Yeah, let's um, that's it. Another lockdown. I can't. Can't. It's just like if speaking completely bluntly, if it gets that position again, the government will get the 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 media monkeys to manipulate it in such a way that it won't be seen as like protect the NHS. It will be it will basically be. A, a nice way of in, introducing eugenics into society. Yeah. Um. They're they're not going to be able to afford to have a, a, another situation like this. That's it. You know, it is it is going to turn into. Unfortunately, there's an accept an amount of deaths that we're going to have to accept will happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll be fucking horrible. But yeah, I don't I don't see how that hap- I I I don't see how this happens again in the way that it has. No. Which is fucking dark and really depressing. Um, so let's move on to uh, dark but not so depressing. We've got some trailers. I know there's one that, well, I know there's one that Mark and I have discussed that I know he's very excited about, but I've got a feeling there might be two now due to a trailer that dropped today. Yes. I haven't seen whichever one's dropped today. So today, um, the trailer for Spike Lee's new film, The Five Bloods. Yep. Right. Okay. So um, yeah, go on, Mark. Um, yeah, it looks looks interesting. I like the fact that it's a it's a dual timeline um, film. He's throwing that kind of documentary style in bits out there as well. It's going to be interesting to see. It's two and a half hours long. I think this movie as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I have a feeling. We've got a, a very snappy, cool-looking trailer for what might be a film where Spike is going, do you know what? 
I am again as high as I'm going to be right now. I need to make sure I fucking throw everything I can again at this. He, he seems to have got his mojo back a little bit, which is really cool. It's got a release date on IMDb of the 12th of June. Yeah, it's a Netflix film. Netflix. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm very, very much looking forward to this. Um, it looks really fucking good. Yeah, yeah, trailer's fantastic, isn't it? Um, really, really, really hope this one pans out. Because, um, again, it kind of feels like in the year that we're having, if Spike Lee can have a film that is well-regarded, come Oscar season, yeah. shit could happen. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I'm very, very very excited about this trailer runtime slightly worrying um and i suppose with black landsman what you know what i kind of said at the time was it, it uses a sledgehammer to crock a uh, crack, uh, crack a peanut and that needed doing i am a little bit worried that maybe there's going to be some messaging in this film that that does the same but if this is if this is more in the inside man layer of like entertain like really really smart entertainment then i'm really really looking forward to this um we'll see it, it you know it's out on netflix what three weeks friday yeah quite an interesting cast yeah um, great Chadwick Boseman. <laughs> no it's a great cast it, it's um if you watched richard joel yet no, um, I I have rented it and I'm still within like the 30 days I have to watch it. So I will I, I I'll try and get to that this week actually. Yeah, it's good, worth it. Mm, mm. No, I'm 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 looking forward to having an opinion on that one. Mm. Um, but yeah, the Five Bloods. It'll be really really good to talk about a film that we're like really amped for come June when by that time hopefully we'll have a sense of shit. A cinema's actually going to open again. Yeah, that that's it. It, it. It's on the horizon. It, it's the first, you know, film we're going. Do you know what? I am really excited for this. This is like a. It, it's a. It's one. Of the, it's a big release. It's on Netflix. I don't care, but it, it's a big sort of like. Yes, it's a new Spike Lee film. It's one of the big releases of the year, and we're only three weeks away from it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's just God. I hope just like the last four or five months of the year are just like film after film after film after film after film, you know, yeah. like, yeah, let's Do just you like, class on you. Um, oh sh- shit. No, I knew I forgot to read something today. I'm sorry, Bex. No, I haven't. But, um, no, it's, what... it's just, it's basically saying that there's a lo- lot of studios are waiting with bated breath to see what happens with Tenet. Cause it's obviously going to be the first big release. Hopefully of post lockdown and if it doesn't do well if it's a christopher nolan movie and it doesn't do well mm. nothing's gonna do well no so if people are still too scared to go back to see a chris nolan movie a lot of a lot more delays will happen it, so it, i'm using it as an experiment it's a guinea pig movie for a lot of production companies it's really interesting because I was reading a piece on Deadline over the weekend about Tenet and uh, like the thinking at the moment is if Warner move Tenet, they move it to the date that Wonder Woman's out and then Wonder Woman gets pushed to December. Like apparently Nolan is being very 
if Warners are releasing a film in the summer, it's Tenet. Um, <laughs> and you know, fair fucking play to him. He's 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 kind of got the right to do that at this point, I think, with Warners. Um, so then like that domino falls. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll see. It like I say, it all depends over the next few weeks. You know, if it, it like apparently they that Warners are basically saying they need 80% of the world's cinemas to be back up and running in order for them to release Tenet in July. That sounds like quite a big ask at the moment, but at the same time, it is two months away. And all you're seeing in the news now is this country's easing lockdown restrictions and that country's easing lockdown restrictions. So by then, Maybe, you know, I mean, funnily enough, like some of the biggest danger would be like New York and Los Angeles, like the the two movie cities in 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 the US. Um, But yeah, we'll we'll see. But moving on very nicely, Tenet is not the first major release now scheduled for release in cinemas. Do you know what is? experience it in 4dx baby experience russell crowe's falling down road rage um i i i have to ask mark yeah mark how excited are you for unhinged <laughs> i'm so fucking excited <laughs> we watched the trailer didn't we um i think i was literally shaking you going this is possibly the best movie ever <laughs> Granted, I might have gone a little bit lockdown stir crazy, but yeah, I will absolutely take Russell Crowe. I, I like the fact, do you know what I really like about the fact in the trailer is, and it might not happen in the film, but the trailer definitely puts this across. She's in the wrong, right? <laughs> Without question. Yeah. She is in the wrong. He's basically just asking her to just apologise and admit that she's in the wrong, Right. And she's not. She's continuing to be an arsehole. So at that moment, I'm going, I mean, I'm fine with whatever he's going to do. <laughs> and that might make me a bad person. I think that's maybe another um, symptom of the, the lockdown crazy. It might be. Yeah. It might be. But it is also a bit like, do you know what? If you'd just gone, shit, sorry. I was a dick. I, 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 I was a dick. But it's not. It's the continuation of this thing of people not being able to admit that they're wrong or they were an arsehole. And if it takes Russell Crowe murdering her, then I am I am fine with her learning that lesson. What about her child? I can fuck off anyway. Isn't it actually a cunt if his mum's a cunt? Yeah. Wow. I'm well at this. <laughs> um... Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm up for it. I'm maybe not quite as aggressively up for it as Mark is, but um, yeah, I'll uh, yeah, I'm up for it. Bex thoughts? Bex is Bex is just literally just left to go to grab a drink. Oh, okay, all right. Well, yeah, I like just the fact that it ad like specifically advertises 4DX at the end of the trailer, yeah. and it's just like, yeah, I re- like. Your chair is going to rumble all the way through from just Russell Crowe bristling. Yeah. Like, his character probably does just, like, vibrate throughout the entire film. (laughs) The thing is, Russell Crowe is... He had that reputation for a couple of years 
Well, very quickly. Uh, what? Wasn't I that you? No. Okay, well, they're not all. Who am I thinking of? Mel Gibson. Yeah, well, you, you, yeah. Wow. Um, I've, I've had a long day. A, a, bit, a, bit, of a, a bit, bit of a bit of a bit of an arse. But you've also got like a near 30 year career of a lot of people saying that he's a really really nice guy mm. you know and weirdly he he comes to york quite a lot um and goes in a pub mm. quite a lot um and said pub uh it landlord who's been there for years was kind of getting muscled out is a certain amount of money um, by, uh, to be able to buy the pub, essentially, so he could keep it. Yeah. Um, and he'd set up a crowdfunding thing, but it was it, it was a lot of money. He needed, like, basically, like, 200 grand or something like that um, to go towards buying this pub. Um, and he was, like, four days off the end of it and was still, like, 120 grand shy of it. And then literally the day before, bang, he'd made the money from an anonymous donor. And it's like, he put it out there saying, the person who, I know who donated it, the person who donated it doesn't want to be named, but let's just say they're the most famous person that's ever set foot in this pub. And if anybody knows the pub, they know exactly who we mean. That's... It, 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 it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because it, it it just seems like he does he takes himself very very seriously, but then he takes nothing else that seriously. Yeah. Um, which is a really interesting combination. But yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, like when Noah came out, he did a fucking like on stage at the Cineworld in Cardiff, just because like yeah. I want to support the film. And I think he was just in the area. Um, and I don't know. It's just like what fucking A-list star would do that? You know, it wasn't it wasn't any like special premiere thing. It was just it, it, he was just he did like free cinemas in the like the UK that day. Just like <laughs> random preview screenings of Noah where Russell Crowe was there. And it just seems like you like probably just believed in the film and just thought he'd be a laugh, you know. Um, good on him. He's good on Twitter as well as Russell Crowe. Um, yeah. yeah, I. I the, the, the thing is, this looks like trash, but it's trash with Russell Crowe in. So it's like, yeah, fuck it then. Why not? Yeah. Um, but it also sounds like a film that you're gonna like weirdly masturbate to, Mark. So. Um, I would be it. My, my only disappointment is. You know that he's probably not going to kill her. Mm. The simmering rage coming out of the screen though, watching that trailer is it's palpable. It, 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 it is. It, you could you could chew it. You could. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you need to watch it in 4DX. It's just gonna yeah. be vibrating the whole way through. Like if I can watch this in 4DX, I will. <laughs> <laughs> I mean to to be fair, the week it comes out will be the only thing playing, so it'll probably be playing in all 15 screens. <laughs> yeah, you are going to be able to watch it in 4DX if you can watch it. <laughs> Literally, start. There's a showing that starts every 10 minutes. So when's it out then? Because it doesn't have a release date on IMDb. It just says in post. First of July. Nice. Just like I love the idea of Christopher Nolan being like, we're going to be the film that is going to welcome back <laughs> people 
for the cinema. And then Russell Crowe's just like, oh, my pint. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, hell of a thing. Hell of a thing. Uh, hello. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. Whoa, no, 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 no. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, uh, I, I, I come in peace. I'm not going to hurt you. I just, uh, you wouldn't happen to know where the exit is, would you? Donde esta la salida? I don't believe it. What? It's you. It is, yes. I hope so. You don't recognize me? Sorry, no, I don't. I'd like to. You've changed, Toby. Um, was it was it a party or some bar? Uh, <laughs> I, I would have been too young for some bar. Okay. Oh, holy... Yes, of course, I know you. Uh, Miss Natural Moonlight Shampoo Campaign. I won the premier award in... Uh, Oh, nine. Did I get it right? Is that you, Sally? You've got the year right. I was 15 years old. 15? That wasn't me. You made me a promise. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. I think you got the wrong guy. I could be someone, you said. Definitely wrong man. I could be a star. I just needed to be me. That was all. Angelica? Angelica. Are you sure? Yeah, no. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, okay, so let's get on with, to the main review of the week, a film that I didn't even really know was coming, like in terms of like just being released on video on demand. Uh, and then it dropped a couple of weeks back. Um, Terry De Gilliam's The Man Who um, Killed Don Quixote um, had a London Film Festival screening in 2018, which um, some person who said they had the rights to the film like tried to block um tried to block it playing i think can or something as well um uh, so yeah it's directed by terry gilliam stars adam driver jonathan price uh stalin skarsgård olga kurilenko um jason watkins uh fucking many others um so this is the story of a director who is directing kind of almost like a big budget version of a student film he did that was essentially uh, about Don Quixote. Um, He then travels to the Spanish town where he originally found the uh, shoemaker who he enlisted to play Don Quixote. And through a series of events, um, travels with that shoemaker who now thinks he is Don Quixote um, as they go on um, adventures that kind of blur the line between reality and fiction. Um, So Bex, this was one that I know you were particularly up for. Um, Let's, let's start with yourself. What did you make of it? I don't don't really know how to organize my thoughts into an actual cohesive review. I just, I just loved it. I really, 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 really loved it, and I would rewatch it again now, despite the fact that it's quite long. It is over two hours. But it just—it's everything that I hoped it would be. <laughs> um, I thought the the layering of it was was really clever, really well done. 
Um, Adam Driver's great in it. As Pancho. Um, sorry, you're looking at me funny. Um, but yeah, I just I just really enjoyed it. It looked fantastic. I mean, obviously, a large part of the interesting stuff about this film is the the the, the Sancho, Sancho. Yeah, sorry. I did, you said Pancho, and it was like there's something wrong about that, and I can't figure out what it is. Is it is it P something Sancho though? I mean, don't try and save yourself now, Bex. <laughs> Sancho Panza. That's it. Oh, yeah, that's it. Um, um, Such yeah. a fucking dick, Mark, I swear to God. It is me. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, part of the, the interesting part, part of the interesting stuff about this film is the, 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 the journey to it actually being even a thing. But um, it's in and of its own sort of, right, it's, it's just great. I really, really enjoyed it. And I like the, what is it? It's called like magical realism or something of it. There's like a whole thing in there. Um, that it, you never, you don't really know at the end what's, what he's imagined, what he's hallucinated, what's, you know, has he actually been possessed at the end by Kyoti giving him his sword that he now is Kyoti or has he just gone fucking mental? Like there's there's little different interpretations you can take from it, but I'm I'm gonna turn my ears off now because I know Mark's about to shit all over it. So. Oh no, I, I am, I'm not actually. You don't seem so keen um, when we finished it. I I think the, the the sheer fact that it exists um is um is such an achievement. I think it, it's a little bit of a shame um that. After all of that, uh, after all of those years of trying to get it made, then it came out with such a whimper. Yeah, that is a shame. Um, and the problem is, it's it, that was that was Gilliam's fault <laughs> that it came out with a whimper. Why? Because he was a prick at the time. Mm. Um, and it, it's it just seems a bit of a shame because. What you've got with it, it's a fun story. It's very Gilliam-y. Um, is it his most profound work? No. Can I see why he got that obsessed with it? No. I just, <laughs> I can't. Um, but Driver is clearly very much on board. He's quickly becoming, like, top tier favourite actor kind of guy. Um, and Jonathan Price is very much on board um, with this. Um, so you, you've got you've got sort of performances from actors who are really good actors. Mm. A script that has been refined over a 25-year period. So yeah. it should work. Um, and Finally, you know, you've got the the technology has met the the realistic budget that Terry Gilliam can get to make this movie. And let's not let's not kid ourselves. It, it, Terry Gilliam has had an up and down career uh, in terms of his output. It's way too long. It's way too long. Um, it's I, I I always feel with Gilliam if if he can grab you. Then you'll enjoy his movies. If mm. he hasn't, if he hasn't grabbed you, uh, then 
you're not going to get on his movies. But the secondary thing he's got to do is once he's grabbed you, he's got to run at such a pace that he's got to keep you. Mm. So 12 Monkeys moves at such a pace that he's kept you. Uh, and then uh, Baron Munchausen, same thing. Runs at such a pace that he's kept you. But there's been other films where he's not he's slowed down too much mm. or he's he's trying to throw too much at it that it, it's just got a little bit muddly. And I think that that um, the man who killed Don Quixote has a little bit of that. Um it, it's also a little bit nastier than some of his movies can be, I think, at points. There's there's elements there's there's points at which you kind of um I think all of them have a bit of that nastiness to them to be fair. But, um but the bit where um, Javier realizes that they're all just making fun of him. That's horrible. Yeah, it, it's. What, what, what are you thinking? That's really. I, I, I just listening there. That point you were making about how like Gilliam's success kind of depends on how fast, kind of almost like how fast he's going. I think that's really interesting because you look at the Zero Theorem and just like how talky that film is. Um, and I suppose like Brazil or like or like kind of worked because the setting informed the the dialogue so much with that zero theorem kind of feels like you're just watching someone do play acting terry gilliam but they've got something serious they want to say um yeah interesting uh yeah i i really i really quite enjoyed this i was um quite surprised by how much i liked it i i, I do think it has problems i think the if i'm going to put my fucking like liberal libtard hat on um i think that the film's women are slightly prehistoric in their presentation um i mean olga kurilenko you know i it's that that part is a fucking joke um and it's one of those things that makes me think that like did she just go to it because she wanted to work with terry gilliam and like she heard she saw that adam driver was in it you know there's there's nothing there her character's like you know borderline fucking prehistoric um and i thought the character of angelica was not that much better um yeah just like like the whole kind of element of like she was 15 when she met adam driver as well that there's a level of kind of ski yeah he didn't need that no no at all it's just that there's an element of skeeziness to it there which i'm not entirely sure what gilliam was going for um saying that though yeah adam driver is giving it his all and he's got that he does play that kind of like he does it to an extent in marriage story as well, but it's kind of quieter. The like, he's kind of a genius and you know, you could see like how women could be into him, but he's also a bit of a prick, you know? Um, like I, I, I think driver does that well. And it's not to say that I think he's like a prick in real life or anything. It's just, he's a good actor. Jonathan price if this film was handled by like if it was handled properly in its release and if it had some sort of like awards campaign i could have seen him getting some heat as like a best supporting actor for this yeah um you know funnily enough he got a nomination for the two popes last year but it's like 
this is a more fucking hell Jonathan Price kind of role. Yeah, uh, he's very, very, very good in this. Um, yeah, like like you say, I mean, I think that the, the the technology and budget do do meet well. It is too long, um, but it's funny. I was intrigued to see um, where, like, how it was going to end. Um, and yeah, it, it, it is odd because I get what you're saying, though, Mark. Like, what about this made Gilliam so obsessed to make it for all those years? Yeah, um, there's, there's, there's nothing. It, you watch it going, right, there's no profound story. There doesn't seem to be a vested personal interest in it. Mm. There's nothing, there's no, there's nothing there that I, I, I can, I can see why. If, if, it, if let's say it was Brazil, was this movie? Yeah. Or 12 Monkeys, was this movie? Mm. I, could, I could get my head around that. But I, with this, I, I could even get my head around if Zero Theorem was this movie, but it just fell flat. I, I quite like Zero Theorem. Yeah. Um, but it just, it seems to be, like, it, it's like, this is my masterpiece. This is my opus. This is my sixth best film. It just feels a little bit like, this was never going to be better than films you've already made. But is it, do you think it's perhaps become an obsession because of its various production wars? I don't know. I, Gilliam's an old one. He's a really odd one in terms of if, if, you, if you look at his output, he's not a prolific filmmaker. He's not made a lot of films, mm. um, and he, it, he he seems to take on these these big expanses. Mm. You know, you look at the, the you know the way that he made Twelve Monkeys, for instance, is fascinating in the sense that to create a a futuristic dystopia. He basically got a bunch of guys to go to a scrapyard and just make crap for him. <laughs> I need this I need a wall, I need a wall of screens. Where I don't want it to look. I want it to look like you've made a wall of screens out of a lot of crap. How do we do that? Find a lot of crap, make a wall of screens. <laughs> Fuck yeah, we can do this. And I, I saw a, a thing, a little mini sort of featurette thing with the the makers, the the, the, the set designers. And the set builders for that movie, mm. who said it was one of the greatest things ever. What is it? Because literally, we just got a bunch of crap and made it. He liked all of it. Nice. It just, I don't know. There's just, it, there's a lot of nods to to the previous iterations of trying to make the movie. Mm. And I think, I do think this was the best he was ever going to be able to make it. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it, it's the best cast we've ever landed at. Um, and I'm glad it exists, and it, it, it's fun. I just, I don't know. There's just, I think like you're saying it in there about it, it seeming like it's, it's a movie out of its time. Yeah, I was just about to say it feels a bit lost in time, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's a movie that the writing of the female characters is is very dated. It feels like other bits have been updated, but they haven't. They're very much women that are just waiting to be saved. But that's a that's that's a Gilliam trope. It's women who are waiting to be saved by guys who necessarily are the men who can actually save them. <laughs> uh, and I don't know. There's just 
Some of it didn't quite sit right with it a few bits. Like the, so the fact that uh, what's his name was 15 didn't need that. It was but odd. he never suggested that anything inappropriate happened. Just but it's just why I have that line. Yeah, why have that line? It it it, it adds, like it adds a, an element of skeeziness to it that the film doesn't need if it's supposed to be. It when he's trying to then save her later on. Yeah. It intimates that he had feelings for her back then, and that now we can manifest those because she's older. Yeah. But it, it, if he's can now manifest them because it's because she's older, he still had them at the time for a fifteen-year-old. Make her seventeen, and from a small little Spanish provincial town, you don't change the character at all. Mm. But as well, you don't make his character. That's creepy. Yeah, mm. and there's, there's there's that element to it. Um, I don't. I thought her character didn't work. Her character felt like it was three times written, and then they used all of the different character, the different versions of the character, rather than settled on one. Mm. It felt a little bit like that. Um, it, I see what you're saying about Olga Korolenko's um, arc within it, but I still really enjoyed her as a character. I mean, her I performance, know. fair play. She's going like broad comedy. Yeah. You know, and like, it, you know, and she, she looks good. You know, it it, it just, it's, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Just that in combination with the other character, it's, um, it, it does, it does kind of make me think that, you know, Terry Gilliam's come out, come out and said a lot of stupid shit over the last few years. And it's like, yeah, kind of not surprised that he writes women in those, or like he's okay with women being written in those particular ways. Um, yeah, it, it, I mean, the, the, the thing, I mean, like Bex, like I, I don't mean to poo-poo on the film. Like, believe me, I enjoyed it a fuckload more than I thought I was going to. Like, it could well be on my surprises list at the end of the year. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to like dampen your enjoyment of it. And I'm really, really glad you got out of it what you did um it, yeah it just like i you know it, it's like a 3.5 or a 4 out of 5 for me you know and it, it's it, it weirdly if they'd maybe just i i get the sense there was a draft of the script where it was just like right we make this now we can have adam driver and it was like right yeah go go yeah. go and they like maybe it just wasn't this iteration of the film wasn't quite done. It, it could be that. I, I think I think there's just an element of I think I don't think it ever really gets done with his his passion projects. Mm. I think he's always he can always tinker with them. I think it, it, it's a bit of a case of the man who had too long to tinker the movie that he hadn't even made yet. <laughs> but. But I am very glad that it exists, and I am very glad that it's not crap. That yeah. It's really entertaining. That it's mm. fun. It's funny. Um, it looks fantastic. It it appears to be what Gillian wanted to do. At yeah. that point, he made it. That is the movie Gillian wanted to make. Yeah. Might have mm. wanted to make in the early nineties. Might have not wanted to make in the late nineties. But at that moment, that is the Donkey Odyssey that Gillian wanted to make. And for all his mishaps and stupidity of the past couple of years, you know, he's a filmmaker who has done an awful lot of 
just really good, fun work and has brought an awful lot of joy to people. Yeah, just looking through his like filmography, with the exception of the Python stuff, because I'm not I'm not keen mm. for Python, to be fair. The rest of it's all fucking great. The only one that I've I've not got on with and I want to rewatch is um Zero Theorem. No, you didn't go with that one, yeah. No. No, I felt like it. Um Panassus is a bit weak, but the rest of them are all fucking great. Even the Brothers Grimm's great. Brothers Grimm's a lot better than anybody gives it credit for. Yeah, it is. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Re- yeah, really pleased to say definitely not shit on my end. Yeah, definitely not shit. Yeah, definitely not shit. Yeah. How'd the poll come out, Mark? Oh, shit. I just had it up then and just fucking went away from it for some reason. <laughs> Uh, the poll went uh, definite shit 33% uh, and touching cloth 67% which feels very right for a Terry Gilliam movie for me <laughs> yeah yeah for sure okay um, so does anyone want to take a break or anything or shall we carry on through yeah I'm cool I'll go through blast through Have you ever wondered what so-called family films will scar your kids forever? Putting four or five-year-olds in front of this movie, it's like, if they didn't know what death was before this, they're going to know it after it. They're going to know it after it, and they're going to be freaking terrified. They're going to be questioning you. Yeah. Or do you have the slight suspicion that your loved one has a cold, dead heart? Yeah, The Dark Knight has got all the orphans, and like, oh no, we're going to die. They did not build up those orphans at all. In my head, I was like, kill them. Then look no further, the His Film, Her Movie podcast is the show for you. It's the movie podcast that celebrates the contrasting cinematic tastes of its hosts. So join Jordan and Lauren every week on their unique journey through the land of the silver screen. So if you're looking for a few laughs, some fun film-related chat, then get involved. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. It just really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. I'm just, just getting confirmation. It's just in That's the third time, though. I mean, I must, is this on? You can find us at csvsp.libson.com. So come and share the victory. If you could fuck any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. He, he wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody... <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep a secret. I was a hell of a handicapper, I can tell you that. I had it down so good that I ran paradise on earth. I had one of the biggest casinos in Las Vegas to run for Tangiers. You know, if I did it, I'd have to run on my way. Nobody's gonna interfere with you running the casino, I guarantee you. Nicky, you're a guy. Make a lot of money for us, or so keep a good eye on it. All right. Look at this place, it's made of money. 
What do you think about me moving out here? I just gotta tell you, it's no joke out here. You gotta keep a low profile. Right off the bat, they don't like guys like us. Oh, yeah! Oh. You like your money a lot, yes, don't you? Yes, a lot. I want to settle down. I want a family. You got the wrong girl. You'll be set up for the rest of your life. You don't know me. What do you know me two, three months? They had it all. They ran the show. And it was paradise while it lasted. They find a guy's head in the desert. That's no good. We got a problem. He doesn't listen to me. Maybe he should get lost for a while. Take a vacation. Can't make it any clearer, Sam. I would just get out. I tried to do everything for you, even though I knew deep down inside you would bury me. I buried you. You buried yourself. I have to be able to trust you with my life. Can I trust you? Can I trust you? I will go to the FBI. I will go to the police. I am not protecting you anymore. You want me to get out of my own town? You only exist out here because of me. He's a loose cannon. No! Stop it! You realize what you can do? You can get us all killed! You want to get rid of me? Here I am. Go ahead, get rid of me. Let's talk some casino. Uh, so, Becky's choice. Good stuff. So, excuse me. I'm just going to burp. Uh. Oh. And there it goes. Apologies. I forgot to mute the mic. Never mind. Um, directed by Martin Scorsese and starring Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, Sharon Stone, Don motherfucking Rickles uh frank vincent in a a role that was bigger than i kind of remembered it being uh kevin pollock um fucking all all sorts of faces in this one pardon me again sorry um i'll be absolutely honest with you for some reason i'm drinking budweiser and i am gassy (laughs) it is a gassy gassy beer it's fucking yeah it's it was cheap it was like sorry your shop run out of everything else it was just it was four big cans and it was a fiver and it was just like fuck it go on then i went oh i went to the shop that doesn't do ipa should have got the heinekens but they were smaller cans i made a mistake anyway (laughs) uh yeah so casino um you know shit man it's casino uh de niro plays uh sam ace rothstein who uh, is basically ordered to uh, head up a casino in Las Vegas by uh, mob bosses. Um, He meets Ginger, played by Sharon Stone, and soon starts a rather tumultuous relationship with her, uh, all while trying to deal with um, hometown gangster Nicky, played by Joe Pesci, kind of trying to muscle in on his turf or at least kind of like show him who the uh, Charlie Big Bananas of the area is. Um, So we were talking about Casino kind of like just offhand last week and then Bex was like, right, yep, that's that's what I'm... Let's review Casino. Um, Bex, why? I think it's one of those films that I, I always kind of... 
forget it's a Scorsese movie for some reason. And I always kind of, my brain always kind of categorizes Scorsese movies as just not really being my thing, despite the fact that I enjoy fucking loads of them. And I always, I always forget how good Casino is, and then I rewatch it, and then it's, you know, a, a timely reminder. But I've not seen Casino in years, and I've been wanting to rewatch it for a while. So, yeah. And how did it hold up? <laughs> I, just the same thing, really. It's, it's, it's what it is. One of those that I, I just, I forget just how good it is, and there's. I mean, the performances are great and it's a Scorsese movie and all that kind of stuff. But I think a lot of it comes from the dialogue itself that that's within the movie. It feels really authentic. And I think that's the stuff that's easy to forget, the snappiness of that when you're not watching it. Hmm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And Mark, your, uh, your thoughts, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you're a fan. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan. I think it's, I, I, I think there's a, there's a possible theory that Casino might be Scorsese's most underrated movie mm. um, because most of them are rated very highly and, and for good reason. Uh, you, you could throw in things like uh, After Hours into there has been an underrated movie uh, or Colour of Money being an underrated movie, but they're, they're very good movies. They're very, very good movies. I, I think Casino, with it coming so quickly after you say quickly, but it's five years. But with it coming sort of uh, with where Goodfellas was within memory rather than considered a classic, it was a very good film from a few years before, is it, it kind of got, oh, look, Scorsese's he's back to do another gangster film. It's like he hasn't actually, he's famed for doing all of these gangster movies and it's not, it's a little bit of an unfair time brush. It's, it's a different thing. And plus, this isn't necessarily a, a gangster movie as such. No. Um, it's it's a really ambitious project to take on. You know, you you you, you really absolutely. <laughs> sorry, that was my watch. What? Oh, sorry. Um, and then you've got you know you've got the whole range of wonderment that is uh, De Niro's wardrobe throughout the entire oh, movie. Oh, he's got a magnificent um, wardrobe in this movie. Yeah, and then it's it's got again very much within his fucking mojo in the sense that you've got the it starts out being narrated and then you realise that oh it's narrated by everybody but that it's not necessarily narrated by the person who's on screen at the time. Mm. And everybody pounces in and has their little bits to say and their little bits to bounce around and their little bits to go over. Um, it's, I think it is just an absolute powerhouse of a movie that for some reason it kind of, because Goodfellas exists, it seems you can't talk about this as being equally as good or anything like that it, it's almost like the completely different type of film it, it's almost like the Messi and Ronaldo thing because <laughs> yeah. they both exist one has to be better than the other and it's like well no but can't they both be fantastic I think the the tonal shift as well because it's not a hugely violent movie throughout is it really but, but, but there's a lot of like sniping at each other and stuff like that but it's not hugely violent and then the bit with Joe Pesci is like it's like a gut punch because of that well that the, the thing like it's coming you know it's coming but when it actually hits the, 
the thing about it, it is, if you use extreme amounts of violence in the way that somebody like like Scorsese uses it, mm. uh, and because of the way that Scorsese uses it, like the way that uh, Tarantino uses it in his not things like uh, Kill Bill, for instance, but in his more his more mature work, um, that if you use it sparingly, you can use it extremely. Because if you're going to if you're going to pack a punch and you're going to shock somebody, you fucking better do it. And you might as well go in and go big. You know, the head in the vice thing. The, the thing that elevates the, the violence in Casino above another level, and it was the same thing that did happen in Goodfellas, and I keep on referring to them, but you, you can bring them up, is the, and I think it's, it's more in Casino, it's the, it's the way that the characters deal with the violence. Mm. Um, and the vice one is a prime example. You know, it's a guy that they have beaten up for days and the last fucking thing that, that fucking Nicky can think to do is to put his head in a vice. And he literally comments to the character, look, I'm putting your head in a fucking vice. Don't make me do this. But then the minute the guy pisses him off, he's like, no, I'm not mean. You're in a fucking vice. I now want to fucking do this. <laughs> and then it's that, it's that thing of showing the audience, look, he's put his head in the vice. And you kind of want to fucking see what happens to his head in the vice, don't you? <laughs> and then when he starts doing it and you go, oh, jeez, it goes, no, 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 no. You wanted to fucking see this. You're going to fucking see it. You're going to see his eyes fucking pop. Not only that, he's going to fucking commentate on it for you because that's the kind of sick bastard he is. So at the moment watching this, you're that guy. You're Nicky while you're watching this. Mm. How the fuck does that make you feel? And it's that. And at no point is he trying to say that Nicky's a good guy or you should be impressed or you should be amused by it. You're supposed to be mildly repulsed by it. But the fact is you can't fucking take your eyes off him. The scene where Sharon Stone gave him the beach is really, like, grim. Yeah, he's supposed to be. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, that that, that fucking fuck. scene. I mean, like, it's almost like you give Sharon Stone the Oscar there for just, like, being able to convince that, you know... I'm gonna do this with Joe Pesci, you know, and it's like it's just the the way that scene kind of builds up, you know, like the body language of the two of them, and it, it's like they're talking to each other, and then there's a little hug, and then it's almost like he's got a bit of an idea of something, she's got an idea of it, and it, you know, was she necessarily planning on this being how this conversation was gonna go? But then, like, she's just thinking on her feet, she's playing the situation to her advantage there there and then it's um yeah i don't know i mean again like if this film was being made now you imagine people would go fucking nuts over the sharon stone character because it's like she starts off as like cool as a cucumber like high roller really knows her shit and then it's basically as soon as she gets married to, to de niro it all goes downhill and she fucking just dies as a drug addict basically i don't know it's um and her relationship with the James Woods character, and that had to be fucking James Woods, didn't it? Like, yeah. it just, you know. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's interesting. I mean, like, you look at um, uh, Lorraine Bracco in Goodfellas and how strong that character actually, con- like, is the way she does stand up to Henry, but she says herself that, you know, despite all this, I was still attracted to him and kind of like, there's that self-realization thing that I don't think you ever really have with, with Ginger. I think Sharon Stone's very, very good in the film. 
um like she's very good in the film um but it's weird how the film like the first half of it is quite like the machinations of the casino and how how you know how it all works is like the like just looking at the inner life of the casino boss and then the second half is an awful lot of sharon stone and robert de niro shouting at each other um and you know you look at goodfellas that film's what like 225 whereas this is 258 and it's like if this was maybe closer to goodfellas length would I be into it more? I, it's like I saw a comment saying that Casino is basically that, like the cooking preparation and takedown sequence in Goodfellas stretched out to three hours. And in a way, I, I can see that. Um, it, it, it's a very, very intense watch. Um, I think it, like it saying it, it, it's his most underrated film, I think is a fair shout, but I wouldn't then say it's one of his best films myself, even though I, I, I do enjoy it every time I watch it. That's it. Um, it it's, I think with the, we've taken on the, um, we've taken on the, the Sharon Stone character. Um, it sets her out very early on. She's the she plays the odds, and that's that's her thing. She plays the game, and she hooks a big fish in with with Sam. And she basically she 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 basically says to him, "Look, this isn't going to work because I don't have these feelings for you." And she's honest with him throughout that. And it's that's that's his mistake that he makes. But her mistake that she makes though is that. He he traps her basically with that jewelry. It says it says in the film that he traps her with oh, yeah. that jewelry, and she doesn't realise until too late that that's what's happening. Yeah. And then a woman who is very much used to being in control of her own destiny isn't. Well, and she spirals and she spirals and she spirals, she spirals because of yeah. that. But that's that's the thing is it was it's it's two opposing forces who are both very much in control of what they do. And that is how they, that is how they operate. Mm. That is how they've become successful in what they do because they have ultimate control. And the problem is, what happens is when they collide together, it is the downfall of both of them. You know, th- that's it. Her downfall is absolutely synced in with with his downfall. Mm. And that that's what works. His downfall it is also fueled by the fact that he that he's apps not just controlling of her but he's controlling of everything mm. and that's that that's that's what it puts across there it's his obsession with everything has to be done my way is what is his downfall there's some really cool suits though wears some fucking amazing suits <laughs> oh, he does wear some good suits yeah um yeah i i think it's fantastic is it like you say that is it is it one of Scorsese's best films? No, it, it, it's not. But it's you're in a very, very elite group there. I mean, that, that's it. It would be 95% of other directors' best film by a fucking mile. But it's Scorsese, you know. Like the uh, I, I would say, The Irishman, Goodfellas, Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, King of Comedy. Um, 
you know, fuck it. There's there's fuck mean streets. You know, there, there's six that I've just reeled off there that I would say are better than Casino. But those films are all fucking five out of five solid gold, like pretty much masterpieces. So yeah, definitely not shit though, eh? Oh, I mean, definitely not shit. Not shit. Yeah, yeah, it's. I like like you said, they're best. It's one of those where when you're watching it you are a mind of how fucking good it is and how just how good Scorsese is at doing what he does. I think it's interesting that you said that he put the heading of ice scene in as a sacrificial lamb. What, for like the ratings board? He put it in to be cut so that yeah. they having seen that was so horrible, the rest of the violence wouldn't seem so horrible and then they didn't cut it. <laughs> Makes perfect sense that. Yeah. So it got left in. Yeah. Also, slightly edited down from what it was. Um, do you know what Scorsese's favourite moment in this movie was? What? Leakage my balls. That's <laughs> a good one though. Uh, when Sharon Stone um, starts kicking the flower heads off when she's having the argument with what is it? Um, <laughs> And apparently, he liked that so much because he said, said Sean Stone, he said, just, just go mental. Just do whatever you can to go mental. He said, and he loved it so much that when she came back out, she didn't remember after doing the, what is it, the, the scene, and, you know, when she walks off and goes in the house, and obviously that's where the cut is. She turns around and she was talking to Martin Scorsese, and she was like, she kept looking down, and he was like, what are you looking at? He said, what happened to all the flowers? <laughs> they were like, you kicked all the heads off the flowers. She's like, I didn't, did I? She's like, yeah. She's like, I feel really bad. Somebody's been aged putting those there. <laughs> She's really good in that scene. And the and the runoff from that scene as well, when it's been narrated over and she gets pulled over. I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I'm super close to peeing myself. I'm just going to, I'm just going to make my, I'm so sorry. I'm going to make my excuses. You guys keep going. Sorry. Oh, the, the runoff bit after that scene where it's being narrated over and she gets pulled over and it's like for all that she never said anything and it's just like she's just getting arrested it's such a strong performance that segment for her. I, I think her whole performance is absolutely fantastic I mm. think it's amazing the fact that she she didn't win anything for this um her she plays every level of it perfectly mm. uh, and you can see that she's a person who at the start of it she feeds off um, what she's doing. Yeah. She feeds off that energy, and that's the spark that keeps her where she is. If she's not got that, mm. then it's not a it's not just a means to make money for it. it it's her life. It, it's how she does these things. Yeah. Um, and then when she's not got that, and she's not able to do that, and she doesn't need to do it, it's she needs to find another high. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's where she finds she finds that, and it's it's a case of everything she wanted she got, mm. but she never wanted it. It was what, what wasn't what she wanted. She didn't want the destination. It was she wanted the journey. Yeah, yeah. To that destination. Mm. Um, and the, the opposite can be said for De Niro's character. You know, he'd had the journey, and for him that was the destination. That's yeah, just want to maintain it. Yeah, it's just the problem is it was never his. Mm. That was the, that's the whole downfall of the whole thing. And then the, the fucking uh, the span of the words is Nikki coming in and fucking 
rough shot. Oh, but the thing is, Nicky doesn't cause because you know they were constantly saying that it's Nicky and Nicky Nicky does this, but actually it's not. Nicky doesn't cause Ace to lose his license. Ace causes Ace to lose his license mm. by firing a guy that he didn't actually need to fire. They're the guy's incompetent, but he could have found somewhere else for to go. Yeah, and the the guy gives him an out and says, "Look, yeah, I'm not gonna lie, the guy's an idiot." But maybe you could find somewhere where it doesn't matter if he's an idiot. Mm. And he will not do it. That's why he loses his license. Yeah. That's why it all goes wrong for him there. Yeah. You know, Nicky only starts fucking ginger once everything's okay. gone. Yeah. Anyway. Dogger Woof Woof is in the house. Uh, hello, Dogger Woof Woof. Hello. <laughs> oh, hello. hello. All of the problems that, 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 that have, that each of them have. Nicky isn't actually responsible for all those. He's seen as being the epicentre of all of the carnage and all of the mess, when actually, in reality, for the two main characters, he's not. Mm. He does use the situations to his advantage, though. Especially Gingers. Well, especially Gingers, yeah. That's true. But you get the feeling like he... He, he, he laments the relationship he has with Sam in the fact that he thought they were friends. Mm. And he doesn't like the fact that they're not. Not that they're not. That he, he thought he was a friend to Sam more than Sam thought that he was a friend to yeah. Nikki. I suppose. I think that, that's it. Yeah. There's, there was a loyalty thing there. Mm. Um, I, I, it's it's interesting you mentioned uh, scripts and anything like that. There are there is. It doesn't hold back as a script no it allows the characters to speak as they would speak which at the time was okay nowadays this film will pick it fucking lines <laughs> for some of the language in it well that i mean we watched that um tarantino thing a bit back didn't we i've been defending his use of yeah. certain words that begin with n in his movie yes um, and saying, look, that's not that's not me saying them. That's the character saying them. That's how he would speak. Mm. And that's just not acceptable anymore. It's, if you use it in a script, you're approving its use. And it's like, no. If you're writing about like a movie about some neo-Nazi, they're not going to speak the same way that... That's it. It, 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 it. It's that. It's You've got to... Not all art represents the artist. No. Especially cinema in that type of form. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because you have to represent. You can't. You're writing an antagonist. They're not going to be. Have to be antagonistic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's definitely not shit. It's mm-hmm. I'm really glad we rewatched it actually because I'd, I'd forgotten a lot of it. Forgot definitely, like I said, I'd forgotten how good it was. Like, I knew how good it was. Well, I, I had this on VHS, so I watched an awful lot. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you had it on VHS, you still have it on VHS somewhere. But yeah. you haven't ever got rid of any of them. Shut up, dude. It's not with the 300 boxes of fucking DVDs. I do have lot. a DVD of it as well, yes. Yeah. I'm saying your VHS, your VHS collection is somewhere different, isn't it? I did have it on Steelbook as well at one point, but I think I sold it. I didn't mean like the steel looks good as well. It wasn't pretty, was it? Mm. It was in Boston, it didn't look quite right. Some of them are alright, some of the embossed ones are alright, but mm. I didn't, it never never tickled my fancy. It felt like a catalogue title they put out on steel, but yeah, just to make a bit of money. Did, yeah. 
Oh, our audience poll. Uh, <laughs> definitely not shit, 92%, and touching goth, 8%. Hmm. Hmm. So, let us speak about some what we've been watching. Who would like to speak first? Uh, well, I'll do the one that I've watched on my own because it's a rewatch anyway, so there's not that much to say. Cool. Um, let me just double check that there is only one. Yeah, there is. Bloody work getting in the way of movie watching. <laughs> bastard. Um, so I rewatched Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Nice. I don't get it with this one. I don't get why it was so like maligned. It's it's fucking great. Because think... people don't like Luke Besson, and because they don't like Luke Besson, they don't like anything he does either. Why don't people like Luke Besson? Is this something that I've missed? Um, some something like uh. I shouldn't misspeak on this kind of stuff. Okay. So I am going to Google Luke Besson prick and see what comes up. Quite a lot, probably. <laughs> well, the first entry is his Wikipedia. Um, uh, Luke Besson. Did he make some comments about during the Me Too thing? Oh, French court dismisses rape allegations against Luc Besson. Uh, There's another one. Should director Luc Besson's paedophilia really be forgotten? Right, okay. There is trigger warning. This article discusses, etc., etc., etc. Now, that must be... that, That is a fuck... That's a headline, that is. So what is this actually about, then? Sorry, I'm derailing slightly, but... Okay, talking about how Leon the Professional is a movie that seemed strangely paedophile friendly and had a strong feeling that the director of the film could possibly be a paedophile. I mean, that's a stretch. Um, okay, here we go. Plenty of people are unaware that Besson is actually considered a sexual predator in the US and has committed statutory rape. In the year 1991, Besson began a relationship with a 15-year-old actress named Ma Wen Besco. At the time, Besson was already a 32-year-old and was currently working on Leon. His young girlfriend was even given a small role in the film. Besco played a character cut titled Blonde Babe, which is just another example of the sexualization of underage girls in the film. Besson not only... Blimey. Besson not only dated a minor, he also impregnated her. At the age of 16, Besco gave birth to Besson's daughter, Shanna Besson. Besson has never actually been committed for statutory rape because he is from France and the age of consent there is 15. In his own country, he isn't legally guilty of the crime, but does that really excuse anyone from preying on a minor? Keep in mind that the age of sexual consent in France is 15, but a minor is still anyone under the age of 18. Um, yeah. Um, I'll be honest, the first time I watched Leon, I didn't necessarily think is Luke Besson a paedophile. No, I think if you maybe if you watched the director's cut first, you might think that. Okay, interesting. I don't know. That's just it's um. Yeah, all right. That's some shit about Luke Besson I never knew. Um, but yeah, like there were some rape allegations. It kind of seems like he's not 
he's probably not the nicest guy in the world quite I, I think it's probably something to say but yes with twitter being what like well what social media is what social media is now that basically equates to everything luke besson makes is a load of trash and, it's not true, and hence why people don't like valerian well, that's just very uh, true. there's probably other reasons to be fair there are other reasons um beyond that although they are valid reasons why people don't get on with it but i still yeah, maintain that's not the film's fault that's not dane dehan's fault it's not cara delavine's fault no it's not but they made the film with them. um but the the problem that i think that people have with it and the reason why people don't flock out to see it in such big numbers it needed to make big numbers because it was a very expensive movie mm. was it's not a franchise movie uh it's got no recognizable star what well, neither of the recognizable star there's not rihanna's in it it's got no recognizable star <laughs> um and it's um because of the youthful appearance of its two stars people will confuse it with being a more childlike or young adult novel something more akin to um what was that fucking series that never got finished divergent or something like yeah. that a french version of divergent or some something like that and so that's why it didn't it didn't play that well i really like valerian i think it's cracking but um the reasons why it, it didn't make money were apparent before it was even released that film was destined to never turn a profit it's not going to turn a profit um it, I don't think it in the end actually did anywhere near as bad as people will make out. But it was it was doomed to failure from its inception. Mm. You know, budget two hundred million and made just over two hundred million, so it lost a shitload of money. <laughs> but anyway, think of the movie though. I'm, again, I, I really enjoyed it. I. I was just looking through Luke Besson's filmography, and I don't think any of the ones I've seen I've disliked. To be honest, I haven't seen all of them by any stretch, but the ones I have seen I really like. Fucking love Fifth Element. <laughs> I've tried so many times with Fifth Element. It's brilliant. I've tried so many times with it, and I just don't like it. That's on you. That's fine, but at least I've tried to like it. <laughs> Unlike The Last of Us. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, you watch that, Alspex? Not on my own, no. Uh, what are you watching, Ian? Hmm. Only got a couple. So, um, rewatched Lilo and Stitch. Um, so, first watched it last year, I'm pretty sure. Um, but watched it with lots and, and Donna, um, like you know just looking through disney plus and it was she'd never seen it and we wanted to have a family movie night so on it went really 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 like lilo and stitch um very very charming the setting's great the lilo and stitch are both two fantastic characters um it's it's just a really really pleasant hour and 25 minutes or so um yeah just really like it um only other one it has it has been a bit of a slow going week film wise there's been uh, a lot of film watching which makes me feel doubly bad for not getting to amelie when i should have just got to amelie so i apologize becky um 
<laughs> I have been playing The Last of Us though. So I will I will let you off on that basis. Thank you. Um, so I watched The Day Shall Come, which is uh, Chris Morris's follow up to Four Lions. Oh yeah. So this kind of came and went in in the cinema when when it came out. I think I think earlier in the year. It, it came out like the week before something else big, I think, or the week of something else that was fairly big. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like around Birds of Prey time or something like that. I think, yeah. And it was kind of like, I think it was around when Parasite was like hitting quite big. And it, so it was like film Twitter was all about Parasite and not the day shall come. And there's only room for like one film to talk about at a time. So never mind the day shall come and I, the, the reviews of it to be fair were pretty lukewarm as well um for me I, I i think i enjoyed it more than i did four lions and i liked four lions um so story is um you've got a um kind of a, a, a religious sect who basically just live on a like farm in uh the, the middle of a city and um it's all a little bit pathetic and uh when um the head of the um farm played by um oh shit i can't remember the character's name uh i believe uh farmer x played by malcolm m mays um he puts up like a uh religious screed on youtube attracts the attention of a um fbi agent played by anna kendrick and essentially she manages to convince the authorities that he is um going he's basically planning planning the next big terrorist uh, event so they try to sell him like nuclear material to try and prove that he's actually a terrorist um but he doesn't want to commit any violent acts um and it it, like through a bizarre fucking series of events he like buys what he thinks is this nuclear material and it kind of goes from there and it, it it's it becomes well we've done this so he would do that but he's done that so we've had to do this which then makes him think that but actually we're doing that like there's an awful lot of kind of like Kafka-esque bureaucracy to this kind of like terrorist plot. Whereas this guy, he just wants money to build his church. Um, and he also talks to his horse. Um, yeah. Um, and yeah, it just, it's silly and it's serious. Um, and it, it does slightly feel like four lions done over again, but the kind of like the bureaucracy gone mad and the levels to which like the of the government will seek to save face creates some pretty fucking odd, darkly funny situations. Um, the the, 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 the character the, all the performances are, are, are good likes Anna Kendrick in it um, so there you go um, 
Yeah, so I'm just looking at the IMDb synopsis, which was a lot more succinct. An impoverished preacher who brings hope to the Miami projects is offered cash to save his family from eviction. He has no idea his sponsor works for the FBI, who plans to turn him into a criminal by fueling his mad revolutionary dreams. Yeah, that 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 sounds about right. Um, oh, and the the lead uh, is um, Andre um, Andre McPherson. So my my apologies. Um, yeah, it just it's very silly, and I liked that. And when it gets serious, it is serious. But it's Four Lions had a little bit of a almost like why are you laughing at this edge to it towards the end um even though the film was trying to make you laugh i don't think the day shall come does that um you know it ends on 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 a fairly sad note but it doesn't kind of rub your face in it i enjoyed it i think it's a good time um it it's a lot better than i think the film's reputation would kind of um have you think to be honest so when it turns up on a streaming service it's a good hour and a half or so that's it i wanted to see it when it came out but it was just a bit it, it just and then we just got the, the opportunity really to see it i think yeah yeah no quite it just I, it kind of came and went here in a week so yeah. you know yeah it's it, it, it's it's yeah it's a good time it's a good time cool uh, watched a few of them thanks we did. Yeah, uh, so we continued your Marvel rewatch, didn't we? We did. Uh, watched The Avengers. <laughs> um, which I like more and more every time I watch it. Yeah. Um, because I didn't get on with it the first time I watched it. No, you didn't, did you? No, I didn't get on with it. I still have a major issue with it. Well. Um, how they all communicate with each other when they're all flying around. Oh, yeah. That, that whole they're just talking. They're just talking to each other. Tony Stark is a genius, Mark. Right, then if literally they'd there'd been a little scene where one of them just taps someone on the back of their neck for a what is it, and it's explained that, but you can't see an earpiece, none of them mention earpiece, none of them tap their head, what is it, and none of them are wearing an earpiece. But they could just all talk to each other. <laughs> it bothers me. So it's a weird thing to to be, you know. That, that bothered about. Well, the fact that how are they all communicating with each other when flying around in this? No, I don't think it's that weird to be honest. I disagree. So yeah, that, that still bothers me. Still bothers me. But apart from that. <laughs> but apart from that, yeah, um, it's it's probably my least it's still good and it's still very entertaining and it's still a good time. Um, but still intergalactic space jerks, nothing more. Um, and the bad guys. Um, no, no, Loki's the bad guy. They're like his army. Oh, I don't like Loki. No, no, you don't. Don't like Loki. He's very overrated. Um, is, is he too devilishly handsome? He's, oh, I don't, he, he's not even that handsome. Um, I, it, it, there's just the thing is when I'm watching this, I always thought it was a bit, it, it, the, in terms of the Avengers movies, mm. um, the, the, the actual Avengers movies, yeah. yeah. I always thought it was it, the Infinity War was the the absolute standout, yeah. Um, and then 
um, what's it? Age of Ultron was the, the one where it didn't quite work. But then since I've gone back and watched Age of Ultron, I think it's fantastic on a rewatch, having yeah. known what we know now. Mm. It, it, I think it grows knowing what we know now. Yeah. Age of Ultron as kind of like a just a one-off, like, bizarro side story Avengers tale is fantastic. It is great, but there's, there's, there's some great kind of foreshadowing it within it as well. Mm. Um, but with Avengers, I just, I don't know, there's something that doesn't click for me. Personally. It was an experiment, wasn't it? And it's worked. It worked. But obviously, they've built Absolutely. on that and made better ones subsequently, yeah. but it still doesn't not work. It still doesn't not work. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I, 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 just, I, I would always prefer to watch either Civil War or Infinity War. Or Age of Ultron. Out of the Avengers movies, it's the one I'll watch last. See, I, I really need to rewatch Endgame because the more I think about that, the more it really, really hurts that but I don't like it more. it does have a hot tub time machine reference in it, so it instantly gets a star for that. <laughs> um, what else do we watch? Uh, we watched Sea Fever, didn't we? Yes, but I think Ian wants to I think to watch Ian wants this. to watch this, so we won't talk about it other than to say it's uh, some great body horror in there. I want to watch it, but you know what I'm like with body horror. What I would say is there's not that much... Just the little bits that are are good, but it's not a persistent theme throughout the movie. Yeah, okay. It's not. It's not. It. It. it, it the, the, what I think the main interesting things about Sea Fever that I would say is it doesn't stick to a singular horror trope. No. It tries to tries to do it tries to do sort of three or four different sort of bits at a time and does all the bits of them really quite well. Yeah. I'm sorry, can you hear that noise? Just it, like in the background a little bit, but it's not like yeah. that. Okay, that's fine. The dog is um gnawing at the wheel on my chair. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can do next one, Max. Um we watched Super Bad. Um I can't remember what sort of got me wanting to rewatch this. I think I read an article about it um and realised that I didn't remember it at all. Um. So yeah. Um. So we rewatched it. It's it, it, it's it's fine. Jonah Hill's character's a twat, but I think he's meant to be. He's supposed mm-hmm. to be a twat. Um. Neither of the girls involved in this would look twice at either of the main characters. Um. That's just that's just fake. No. The the point about it is. The whole point about the, that that bit, and I do not agree with you here, is you think the, you think Emma Stone would be interested in Jonah Hill? Wait, well, no, uh, yeah, there's, there's an element there that would. Let me finish. That point, right? In the sense that guys at that age always look way more awkward. They always do. It's why often girls of that age will go for guys who are a little bit older because they started to move out of that awkward phase. But that's the point, is these girls can have the pick of whoever they want so they can pick the low-hanging fruit if they want it occasionally. And they make a point of that by saying, I, I feel like I have to get you drunk because why would you... What is it? Any other reason for me? 
Yeah, but she turns him down. Yeah. Because she wouldn't go for it. She wouldn't drink, and that's not why she would go for him. And then she. I know, but I think it's the. It's to an element of. Of male fantasy swords, of course there is, but but your assessment that they wouldn't go for, I think, is is a little bit shallow. I. You went for me. Yeah, you were. You were. Damn, that was. A bit of breaking news. Oh. Don't tell me. David Arquette. David Arquette is coming back for the Scream reboot. Nice. So it's probably not a reboot then. It'll have to be a sequel, won't it? Yeah. And it's being directed by the people who did Ready or Not. Oh. Unless it is a reboot and he's playing a different character. Uh, he might not be playing Dewey. That's. <laughs> That'd be something. That's interesting though. Yeah. That it's the, it, it's decent director. Because I was a bit I was a bit worried when I saw that they were rebooting Scream. I was a bit like, well, hang on a minute. Wes Craven's dead, so it can get to fuck. I, I will watch a Scream film directed by those guys. I, yeah, that's that's fucking interesting. Yeah, I'm up for that. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I just thought that was it, it's interesting that David Arquette's coming back for it. I mean, let's face it, that man needs money. <laughs> he, he's he's the voice of Scully, the pirate in J, uh, the parrot in Jake and the Neverland Pirates. He's probably getting some fat royalties for that. In what? Jake and the Neverland Pirates, the uh, Disney cartoon show about Jake and the Neverland Pirates. He's a parrot. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, Our final one. Uh, (laughs) We watched Surviving the Game. Yes, we did. Which is the good version of The Hunt. How did it make you feel? How do you think you made me feel? I fucking came in my fucking pants. <laughs> like one of the best lines in film ever. It is, yeah. It's it's glorious in this movie. Um, in the sense that it's it's got such a 90s genre cast. Yeah. So, first out, oh, you have a rapper, Ice-T this time. Um, but it's also got Rutger Hoyer... Charles S. Dutton, Gary Busey, John C. McGinley, and F. Murray Abraham. You know, it's it, all of those people are hunting iced tea. It's it's perfect. It's perfection. It's Gary Busey going a bit mental, talking about killing his dog. Oh, slightly tangentially. Yeah. Right, Ian. On your boy chat thing, has Mark put that weird fucking gif of Gary Boosie ringing a bell on it? It's just terrifying. Yes, he has. What the fuck is that? What's it from? You won't tell me what it's from. It's Gary Boosie. It's just Gary Boosie at home. It's not just Gary Boosie at home. It's Gary Boosie at home. Ian, what's it from? Gary Boosie at home. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> you can both get to fuck. It's not from the film. It's just Gary Boosie just twatting about. It's Gary Boosie. No, because in that longer version, you that's told me today's some, face melts. That's somebody's editing that, so it does that. Though. It's horrifying. You need to stop sending me it. Every time I get a sale at work, I send Mark a thing saying, yay, woo, and like an Anchorman gif where they're all high-fiving. And he just sends me that terrifying nightmare fuel back. What do you think Gary? I love Gary Busey. I don't have anything against Gary Busey. That gif is scary. I disagree. Yeah, um... Surviving the game, 
it should be a genre classic and I'm upset that it's not. Yeah, it, 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 I didn't know anything about it and every time you kept suggesting it, I was like, which one was that again? And <laughs> um, we, I eventually watched it, didn't we? And it, it's way better than I expected it to be. Yeah, it, it, I'm, it's one of those movies where I'm always surprised and it must be some kind of rights issue, the same as Judgment Night, mm. that it doesn't have some form of Arrow or Shout Factory release. Because <laughs> it absolutely should. It still holds up. It's still an awful lot of fun. It is the exact length that a genre movie should be. It is 96 minutes. It gets in, gets its shit done, and gets the fuck out. Yeah, yeah it's a good. Yeah, brilliant. Good snappiness, well. Yeah, that's, that's, that's it. It is, apart from Amelie, which we watched and certain people didn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I said I'll allow it this time. Of the Lost of Us, which then I want to fucking replay. And my work here is done. Um, so let's talk about fucking dog. What are you doing now? What are you doing now? Being those bloody puppy eyes at me. What have you been eating? Yeah, all right. I want to assure you men, when you set off over the top, you'll be able to slow pounds, light your pipes, and march all the way to back home before you'll meet a single live German. First platoon to kick it into German lines gets a barrel of beer. Hey, Bully! That bottle of beer's as good as one pound. Trench is directed by a man, a fine man. William Boyd. William Fine Man Boyd himself. And stars Paul Fine Young Man Nichols, Daniel Fine Older Man Craig, Danny, you fucking what, Dyer? Danny Dyer, him. The most Danny Dyer of Danny Diaries. <laughs> yeah, 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 pretty much. Um, ben Wishaw's there. Killian Murphy's there. Julian Rind Tut is there. Um, it's a veritable who's who of up and coming British actors from the late 90s, along with Paul Nichols. Um, so this is about the kind of like the day or two before the Battle of the Somme. Um, and you have men basically kind of waiting around for their un- un- unknown deaths, really. 
uh, and it's 90 minutes or so of kind of snapshots into their lives, really, and um, you know some of the stories that they they they, they tell. Um, centers around uh, Paul Nichols's young soldier who joined the the war effort with his brother, but his brother is hospitalized and he then has to kind of get on without him, I suppose. Um, so really quite a random 99 pick rental of the week. This they've they've been films that aren't 20 years old up until now um but the artwork basically makes it look like 1917 and it came out i think the same week 1917 came out on itunes so uh, as as the 99p rental of the week the trench came out the same week as 1917 came out yeah um mark you'd seen this before hadn't you um how, how was it on rewatch um yeah i had seen it i i was one of the eight people who saw it in the cinema <laughs> um it was me and Paul Nichols' family. Hmm. Um, I, the thing is, I remember I remember this being um, this being touted, and Paul Nichols was like a thing at that point. He was a whole thing. Yeah, yeah. he was a big thing, um, and this was like his explosion into he was going to do this, and he was going to go to Hollywood, and he basically was going to be the new Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt, and people were saying that about him. Um, because it was like, oh, look, it's this young, attractive, smart guy who's actually a really good actor in EastEnders. And then it's a bit like, but he's not that good. And you, you summed him up quite well, Bex, in the sense that he suffers from an affliction, which is always going to going to affect him going forward, time of career, and what is it? And it... <laughs> It, 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 it's Beckham voice. Beckham voice. He suffers yeah. from Beckham voice. It's quite pretty, and then he opens his mouth, and it just makes all his pretty go away. Yeah, and he's not quite as pretty as Beckham. I mean, um, who is? Well, fair point. Um, but then that, you also look at the fact that that man is a bona fide first trap. Uh, well, let's be cool. <laughs> uh, we all agree with that. Um, <laughs> but then you, the great thing that William Boyd has done is it's almost like like he's gone. Right, if I've got to have that guy in, I want the pick of all the rest of the actors that I can have. And has picked... So the, the movie that was thrown out there was like to launch Paul Nichols' movie career. And he is the least successful out of everybody in this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Going forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's really quite good, actually. In the sense that it feels very much like... It, it, it plays out like a play. So it feels very stagey um, and you're moving from one place to another. So it's almost like if it was a play and I'm sure it wouldn't surprise me if there is a play very similar to this or if it was an idea as a player to start off with. But you'd have bits of set moving up and then you'd have light shining on that bit mm. and then that scene would go out mm. and then the scene would move on to another bit where light would come on that and you'd be resetting and moving around like that. I could see how this would be stage managed. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, watching it, you can, a, see, you can see it on the stage, yeah. can't you? Yeah, definitely. As a theatre performance, I think you can also pick out from the actors, right, that guy and that guy are going to go on to have really strong careers. Yeah. You know, Daniel Craig is is very, very good in this. Killian Murphy's very good in Killian Murphy's very good in the bits that, what is it? I like the fact that Killian Murphy and Daniel Craig are on the fucking poster for the iTunes bit. And Killian Murphy is hardly in this it is the version of remember when you used to be able to buy like those DVDs that had five films on them and one of them would star Brad Pitt and literally be a walk on part of the year. 
but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. it it's um, out far as I say it's fun, but it's an interesting and it's an intriguing watch. What does anyone else think? I was just looking to see what else um, James Darcy had been in. He's good at Daventry. Yeah, I do think that they call him different names a few times in it. Yeah, I, I, I swear for an entire scene somebody's called oh him. Oh God, he's Jarvis. What? Oh, in oh, Agent Carter. No, in fucking Endgame. Yeah, yeah, no, like as yeah, so he plays the uh, like Howard uh, Stark's butler uh, in Agent Carter. It's Paul Bettany is Jarvis. Seriously, Becky. I don't know who Paul Bettany is, but Paul. Paul Bentley's Jarvis, isn't he? Does he voice Jarvis? Yeah. I've never seen That's why that. when he becomes Vision, it's Paul Bettany. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I swear for an entire scene, they're calling Daventry Davenport at one point. I mean, I don't think they are. I'm, no, I'm going to go on record now saying that they do. <laughs> well, I'm not going to rewatch it, so yeah. check. And also, you've got Danny Dyer literally, like, they've gone... Right, Danny, we need to play you, but in 1917. I knew that. I liked the bit where it's like, oh, why, why do they call you Rags and Killian and um, Private Charlie is like, oh, because he's, he's like raggy looking, blah, blah, blah. And, and then Killian Murphy goes, why do you think we call him Charlie? And they go, oh, why? His name's Charlie. <laughs> I really like that bit. Yeah, it is your level of comedy, isn't it? <laughs> it was no, that, that was a good moment. <laughs> That's a great moment. Yeah, it's just stuff like that amuses you, doesn't it? It's, it's, it's why you like airplane so much. Airplane's fucking classic. Um, no, I. To be fair, I I was not keen for this one. I don't really like World War One, World War Two movies. They just bore me generally. And so I was a bit like, do I have to? And Matt was like, well, you've actually seen it before, so and you quite liked it, so I'd probably just watch it. Um, and I had seen it before. I do actually, he, he was correct on this one. Um, I mean, it's not, it's not doing anything hugely poignant. It's not sort of, it's not telling you anything that other films and stuff haven't probably done better. But I think I think the thing that I like most about it is is what you were saying about how it feels like a play. It does. It feels it. All the sets feel very much like sets. They're very clearly not. They haven't gone to a field somewhere and made actual trenches and tried to make it authentic. It feels quite. Um, I think one of the criticisms I saw about it was that it, it makes trench life seem cosy, and I think that's kind of intentional because yes, it is very. It, it, it is very like sets and it is very safe feeling when they're in the trenches but then that bit where they go over the top and it opens out and there's this stark sunlight and they're very obviously in the real world feels much more dangerous and exposed because of that i don't i think it's not trying to talk about the, the, the misery of the trenches mm. it's trying to talk about the 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 camaraderie that builds mm. within the trenches. That's it, it's not trying to tell you how about the the rats and the misery and the dysentery. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think as well, it it what it does well is, you know, yes, you, to start off with, you've got this camaraderie that's being built by this situation these boys are in together. 
but then it very quickly starts to show you the tensions that also build under those circumstances. Yeah, it, it, it's the heightened emotions yeah. that, that, that essentially living on a few hours sleep that you have sat up mm. is going to put into you, especially when these guys know that effectively they're waiting to die. Well, I mean, essentially, it goes from there is a sense of security for them in that they are they are the third wave and they're basically being told that they'll be in no danger because two waves will have gone before them. And then all of a sudden they're not anymore and they're the cannon fodder. And obviously that. That alters things quite significantly for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's weird because that happens quite late in the day, doesn't it? Because it's yeah. like Julian Ryan Tut's giving that, um, like he tells Daniel Craig, and he got that moment, kind of a weird moment where like Daniel Craig's like, give them the whiskey. No, I will not like give them the whiskey. I could have you arrested and charged and then just gives them the whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I, I, yeah, that, that's an odd one, but it's quite late in the story and it's all like. I'm trying to like remember the the, the the kind of the plotting around it because it's just like he gets Danny Dyer to get the rum and then Danny Dyer basically gets pissed and it's like does Danny Dyer know that they're now in the first wave or is it just like Danny Dyer is at, just actually is he thinks he's hot shit but he's actually called diarrhea and he just gets pissed. Um, does he get pissed? I thought he fell. No, he gets pissed. Um, it's pissed bit violent, doesn't he? Right. And he gets hit by a shell. That's it, yeah. But then he's, but he, he is pissed. Right. But yeah, I it, like that, that. I don't know. It was interesting. It was almost like the um, I, I quite liked it, the Julian Ryan Tut and Daniel Craig relationship, where like it kind of feels like Daniel Craig really, really just wants to fucking have a go at him, but never does. Mm. And it's that it's that whole kind of like that restrained respecting, like res- respecting the authority. That's it, it's, it, it. I think that is the crux of that is the fact that when they have the conversation about you know what what do you do outside of this and he's like nothing. This is what I do. I'm a career, I'm a soldier. Yeah. And it, it's almost it, you, you get the um, Ryan Tuts character. He's almost a bit like oh. And it's like to him, nobody's a soldier. Everybody's something else. Yeah, yeah. And they've been and they soldier for a bit. And they've been drafted in to do this. Yeah. Um, but they've all got something to go back home to. But he doesn't. That's what he's like. You know, he. This is what he does. Mm. And it's almost like a, oh shit! Why am I telling you what to do? Yeah. That bit at the end as well, where Paul calls asks him about going over the top because he's done it before yeah that's and, and they're like is it scary well yeah of course it fucking is like who would choose to do that more than once i don't think he chose to do it yeah, but he's, he's stayed hasn't he he's he, stayed he, in no, the he had to stay in the army and get a choice to go home can't you like no leave no ever no so what <laughs> drafted no, but he's saying he's not drafted. No, he's not drafted. He's a soldier. He didn't he didn't volunteer to it. He was a soldier beforehand. He didn't volunteer for the war. But now you can't leave. No, because that's his job. He could like injure himself. Accidentally. <laughs> I mean like the guy who shoots himself in the leg does. Yeah, but you'd be more subtle about it than that, wouldn't no, you? No, he can't do that. He can't do that. It's not part of his code. See if he was me, he'd have just fallen down off one of those ladders by now. Yeah, I don't ask you. 
Did you did you hear me fall down the stairs this morning? No, I didn't hear you fall down the stairs this morning. Did you hear the elephant head fall down the stairs? No, you broke my elephant head. No, I, I fell down the stairs and the elephant knocked the elephant head on my way down. Try to grab some. Of it. I think you were in the shower. I, I, Sorry, go on. I kind of Sorry. feel like we're running out of steam here. <laughs> <laughs> Was it the elephant head chat? <laughs> Might have been. Um. Yeah, no, I don't know. I, I, it was, it, yeah, it was more interesting than I thought it was going to be. I mean, just the fact that the whole thing revolves around fucking Paul Nichols is mind blowing. Um, it's like it made me laugh. Like I, I think Daventry at one point is shaving and he he, he says to someone like, you know, "You've got to keep up some standards." It's like then it, 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 you look at Paul Nichols and it kind of looks like you know he's got baby soft skin and like his entire kind of like war makeup is a fine layer of soot applied to his face um and yeah movie where he spends a good like 45 seconds just looking at a mirror for no reason yeah it was like the girls will love this like like i was talking to donna about it like oh it's got joe witz from eastenders she was like what paul nichols i was like fucking hell and she was like i used to love him you know and that's he was a massive deal yeah um wasn't he involved? I think he was involved in a plot in EastEnders where he like was seduced by a woman who was like older than him and whatnot. And I think there was an awful lot of thirsty for Paul Nichols kind of stuff around the time. Um, and it's like, yeah, but does that really mean that he can play this particular role? And he's he's all right. He's fine. You know, he's like kid brother of older person and he's a bit wet behind the years but or is an eq that that's about all there is to him you know you you look at um danny dyer's character daniel craig's character like the scenes between him and junior ryan are fantastic but like a lot of the kind of like the day players in the cast have moments um you know that that one that one scene where the um the, the colonel's there and it's basically like the whole kind of making the film for the people back home and basically having to fake it all. And it's like, give a speech, something inspiring. And he just gives this complete bullshit speech about how everything's (laughs) going to be really easy. You know, and it's just, it's so depressing because it's like, did he actually think that or is he that cruel? You know, it's, um, yeah, I don't know. I can't I can't get my head around like fighting in a world war. And obviously it's because like I've just never been in an environment where I've been built to think, yeah, that's something that I would do for my country. But it, like you said, Bex, it is fucking mental that people were there and did that. And they, they did it for a noble cause. But it's just the way the world is now. It's like what cause would unite a part of the world enough to do that you know russia does sketchy shit constantly you know like there's human rights atrocities being enacted fucking everywhere but what's the big thing for me it'll be like facebook will fucking buy europe google will buy asia and it will be apple by america great fucking yeah yeah and there'll be it'll be tech war um you know we'll all sorry the silicon valley wars yeah and like all our we'll donate our bodies to power 
the batteries of massive AI robots and willingly get put to sleep. Sorry. Well, that's weird. (laughs) Sorry, Bex. Oh, God. Your voice went really weird when you were saying that. Like, you started going in slow motion as you were saying, go to... Yeah. I I almost like the machine knew, like you'd figured something out. <laughs> Don't let this be recorded. <laughs> the simulations try to stop you in. Yeah. You very nearly got Agent Smith. Then. I don't, I don't like, I'm, like that. I'm starting to come around. I don't to like that. That, that was that was really weird. I am starting to come round to Ian's way of thinking on this. There is no way that 2020 is real. <laughs> it's a glitch in the fucking simulation. <laughs> yeah. It's rebooting or something, and it's just trying to get all its like, no, disasters it, out of the way before it restarts. Right. Minor tangent. And I think we're, so we just like, we just say the trench. It's definitely not shit. It's it's it, it, it's fine. Shit. Um, if it was, if we were basing it on Paul Nichols' performance alone, I think it might be. But considering the talent he's got around him, it stops it being shit. Yeah. Um, our uh, audience poll uh, was touching cloth a hundred percent. Nice. Right. So very, very quickly, I'm going to put this point. I don't want to get into the, the bones of this, but general football returns the other day, right? Is this about FC Seoul? No, this is about the fact that I watched the Borussia Dortmund match uh, versus Schalke and very prominently throughout it, one of the advertisement bars around the thing was was advertising a computer antivirus. And so the phrase antivirus was coming up around the pitch loads and it just, the, the utter lack of irony just made me laugh. See, that's a clip. But it does make me think there that if this is a simulation, which of course we've worked out that it is, yes. um, is clearly it has an actual v- computer virus that we are now seeing as the coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully, whoever, whoever's programming this simulation has popped out to get a McAfee, is going to come back and it'll all die down. Maybe. No, because it's murder hornets next, isn't it? That's the next level of the game. I thought, I thought, no, I thought we'd, we'd abolish the murder hornets. Have we? Oh, they better not come here. I am fucking bollocks to fucking coronavirus. I am not leaving the house if we have murder hornets in this country. No, if you're allergic to bees, can you imagine how mega allergic you'll be to murder hornets? Fuck that shit. They, have you seen the size of them? Yeah. Balls to that. Apparently, they, they kill all the bees wherever they are as well. Well, as long as they're not killing me, they can kill as many fucking bees as they want. No, because you know what happens when all the bees die? Mark Wahlberg gets that antsy. No, <clears throat> that, that one film with that man and his daughter. What's it called? Where the crops and the last okra. That one. In the cellar. That's it. All the crops die, Mark. With no bees. Right, I know. This is getting... But I it's getting really dark. Can, can we go to Ask a Bastard, please? We can go to Ask a Bastard, our new segment, which is, we've had for ages. You can't pull off saying bastard. I can't, can I? No. No. Ian can pull it off. I can't. You can just do bastard. 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 Ask a bastard. <laughs> bastard. Yeah. Oh, you're so very Yorkshire. Fuck you. But the, um, I, I can say bastard, though. It doesn't sound right. No, you're better with bastard. Yeah. Ask a bastard. 
Oh, fuck so. off. Um, I'm trying to find the questions. I think we've got one, but still. Well, we've got two from Rick J. Kidd, so that's a lie, isn't it? Boom. Oh, two. There is two, yeah. Uh, Rick J. Kidd, uh, Casino was the first DVD I ever saw back in 1998. Watching Joe Pesci's Head and Advice ran uh, in various languages was hilarious. What were the first DVDs you remember seeing? First DVD I specifically remember seeing, DVD rather than video, is Leon. I Good got choice. you for your birthday, that gold DVD player yeah. and Leon on DVD. That's the first one I specifically remember watching. Yeah, you did get me Leon, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, how, go me for knowing so accurately what it was. Yep. Uh, Ian, what was yours? Mine's different because it's a film I got the same day as that. Mm. So I got, uh, got these in a multi-buy. I think it was like two for forty pound or something like that in Virgin Megastore. Uh, I got Alien, which is on brand, and The World Is Not Enough, which is also fairly on brand. Yes, that is fair. Um, yeah. Like, what the fuck? And I just no, I, I remember p- putting on the uh, Ridley Scott audio commentary and just being like, "This is fucking sorcery." Like, how is Ridley Scott talking about this film now? Like, how is there <laughs> this different track? It um rather blew my mind. And the world is not enough. Those Bond DVDs had some fucking extras on it, man. Comment co- like commentary tracks on every single one loads of making of shit and the um the spines of the dvds when you put them all together they like kate they presented out 007 yeah um ah oh, they were they were a good time well with that gold dvd player that you got me for my 17th birthday that was a badass fucking it was DVD a badass player. dvd player yeah, yeah. maybe um, that's why we like the gold ps4 maybe it so is much. yeah um but yeah i also got i did get leon and I also got um, at the same time American History X yeah. and Snake Eyes and uh, a Bug's Life. <laughs> Who'd you get that off? That one, me. Um, my dad got me Snake Eyes and a Bug's Life. I'm guessing that it was just the two he saw. <laughs> um, oh, it could have been one of those things like HMV used to do that thing where you with the they had the ones near the counter. Yeah. Oh, you bought this, so that means you get this for this. But yeah, so that, fuck not. that's what I got. Um, <laughs> and but I remember, yeah, the what I remember most is American History X because at the time you couldn't get that on VHS. It only came out on DVD in the UK, and that is why I wanted a DVD player so much. That's really fucking good, is that film? It's one of those ones though that I want to watch again, but I don't want to watch it again. Hmm. It's not a pleasant watch. It's not, but it's very mm. good. Um, and our question number two from Rick Jicket. Uh, if you could pick one role in cinema that you would want to play, which one would it be? Ooh. Do you know what? Randomly, I, I saw this one earlier and, and it just reminded me of, you know, when we watched, um, shit, was it Rec 4? Yeah. And I was like, when I grow up, I want to be, I can't remember the character's name now. Which one is it though? That the is the wedding name. one. No, which character though? Oh, the the bride. Right, cool. So I won't, if you say I want to be Blah from Rec Four, I won't know who you're talking about. But if you say it's the bride, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. What's she called? Susan. 
Clara. Class. In Rec 3. Yeah, so I'm going to stick with that because she's fucking badass in that film. Fair enough. Ian? Other than that, it would be something like, what's her name? Alice out of Resident Evil. She's badass as well. I'd just like to be significantly more badass than I am. Fair enough. Ian? Morgan Freeman in Bruce Almighty. (laughs) Strong answer. Strong answer. What? Yeah. Like Jareth in um, in Labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> what inappropriately exposey leggings and all? Oh, all that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fucking dick swinging and fucking kicking fucking little trolls all over the place. You have to hold a baby stealing babies. He looks shit like a baby. Would you want to wear that weird neck thing? Yeah. That looks like it's whole in the head fucking the thing. Yeah. I I would have thought you would have said Neil Patrick Harris in Gone Girl. I mean that 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 would be that would be too much for me. <laughs> You'd more like to be the bad Ben Affleck in that, wouldn't you? Ah, oh, fuck yes. <laughs> oh, that was a uh, <laughs> that was a bit of a filthy fuck yes. That Mark, fair play. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Oh, <laughs> you were way too enthusiastic about that response. Maybe I need to be more manipulating. More manipulating. Still not got a fucking cat, have a Mark? Nope. Maybe I haven't been manipulative enough. Yeah, clearly not. I have to step it up on that. Maybe Daniel Craig or Eva Green and Casino Royale, because in any case, you get to bang the other one. It's a strong shout, that. <laughs> oh, one thing about um, Van Who Killed Don Quixote. Olga Korolenko didn't die. That was weird. Yeah, it was a little bit. It's like we watched we watched we watched the only film where Alan Krenko doesn't die and we watched the only film where Sean Bean doesn't yeah. die of the week. Yeah. We're doing this wrong. Doing it wrong. <laughs> she doesn't die in Quantum Solace. No. No, you're thinking of Casino Royale. Gemma Arterton. Oh. Mm. Gemma Arterton's in like two scenes of Quantum Solace and she dies. Yeah. In a really weird Goldfinger tribute where she's suffocated by oil. Yeah, it's a, it's a really odd one, that. I completely forgot. I think I was in my Gemma Artisan hating phase when we watched that, which she's only vaguely redeemed herself from with that one. Voices. Voices. She's funny in that. I like Gemma Artisan. Probably why I don't, actually. Probably is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was it for, for questions. Oh, Rick okay. Never lets us down. Thank you, Rick. Right, coming up on next week's show, doing Josh Trank's Capone. Um, I believe these two have already seen it. I'm ah. partly. Okay. I'm fucking fascinated. Um, I I am. Sorry, that sounded sarcastic. No, I'm I am. I'm fucking fascinated. We'll also be covering Amelie and. He rubs his hands together. This week's 99p rent of the week is Wes Anderson's Moonrise Kingdom, baby. <laughs> is that, that's the only Wes Anderson film you, you didn't get on with, isn't it, Becky? The only one I actively disliked, yeah. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. I'm, 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 I'm actually looking forward to rewatching that. I mean, it has to have some redeeming features that we've missed. It has to. Doesn't it? I think I think I liked it more than you, and I didn't really like it. I really disliked it. I, it just felt so fucking creepy. It's so creepy. Is it that? So maybe they're all creepy. Yeah, I know, but most of them are creepy with grown-ups. 
it adds an extra layer of creepiness that it's about kids. Mm. Kids who find each other. You are. It's kids who find each other. You know. But we'll talk about it next week. So, we're podsyndicate.com, Film Bastards. No, patreon.com forward slash Film Bastards. Cats Miss is coming. Get ready. Um, and, yeah, I think that's probably about it for tonight. Good night. Good night. Thank you very much for listening. Hit it. Spare for days